You're listening to the Live Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Hey, good morning, Life Church. I am so glad to be with you. My name is Alex Rahill. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are in a series called A New Way to Be Human. We have been talking about um, the brokenness in our world, the confusion of our society. How many of us know what it means to have a path for life, a flourishing life? Jesus has that path for us. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus isn't talking about laws, but how to live a full life, how to live a life uh, where we're uh, completely aligned with God's will, purposes, and desires for our life so that we can flourish in our humanity. But as he deals with how to walk that path, he does not shy away from the most difficult uh, challenges we face. And so we heard about anger and contempt and hatred and how those things can fuel and destroy our lives and other people's lives. We talked about, uh, and we're going to look more at this, at uh, fantasized desire and lust. And God created us for love, and love is always seeking out the best interest of the other person. Lust is about us selfishly trying to get what we want, regardless of what uh, another person may be feeling or thinking. Uh, he, we talk about in the Sermon on the Mount telling the truth and how many of us have been hurt by lies and that we keep our word and loving our enemies because God doesn't want to just make uh, uh, our world a place of revenge, but a place where we actually promote goodness in ourselves and in the people around us. And we really love them in the way God loves us. Today, we're talking about another major issue that everybody faces. In fact, it's probably the number one struggle for most people, according to research, and that's worry. Worry. The word worry in the English language comes from an old German word that means to choke or to strangle. And I find that to be so descriptive because when we worry and we give ourselves over to worry, it feels like it strangles the life out of us, doesn't it? But we feel like we have to do it because there's so many concerns that we have and things that uh, we want to see turn out the way we hope that they'll turn out. What do you worry about? As I said, I was reading some recent research. I looked it up online. And the four top four uh, reasons people feel stressed or worry is number one is finances. And uh, people are worried about financial instability and getting good jobs and paying their bills and COVID, the pandemic, remote work. All these things create uncertainty around our finances. Uh, and political instability is the second one. We're concerned about our, our um, country and the politics and the polarization and the, the fears associated with that. We're concerned about the pandemic and future pandemics as COVID and other diseases seem to uh, rise up and um, uh, bring threat and fear and concern for sickness or death. Uh, climate change and global warming is the fourth one, according to people's um, major worries or concerns, and they're worried about the climate and all the things that can change. But let's come closer to home. I talk to people every week who are worried about their family and their marriage. How about your kids? How do you keep your kids safe? We live in a rough world where they have access on devices to a whole world of things that are hurtful, wrong, and inappropriate. Uh, we have um, drugs that we worry about for our kids or, or 
acting out sexually in ways that hurt them and hurt others or porn shootings. How do we keep our kids safe? And then there's college and should a kid go to college or do we do another route? How do we help our kids flourish and grow up as adults? Uh, and then there's health, right? I promise you right now, someone who is listening to this is uh, just received news that someone they care about has some health concerns, something's not right. They go to the doctor, they get tests, and then uh, the tests will be back in a few days, they hear. And then they're worrying and they're wondering and they're waiting. And they're going, what if, what if, what if? And we worry and we all worry. But here's some things to really, we have to pay attention to about worry. Worry can choke the life out of us, can it? We already said that, but it does something even more subtle and insidious. Worry can drive us to self-absorption and self-centeredness. When we're worried about this thing or that thing, we become so focused on our needs and our desires and our particular situations, we lose sight of the people around us. We lose sight of the big picture of what life is really all about. And we can miss out on the fact that God may be up to something in the world and maybe he wants us to be a part of it. So when we worry, we're focused inward and, and God wants us to be able to look upward and see what he's doing. So it shouldn't surprise us that God has a lot to say about worry. And the scripture that we're going to look at today is the capstone of Jesus' teaching on how we are to handle worry in our lives. But let's look at some background here. You see, the people of Jesus' time had the same concerns we have. Uh, there's unique cultures and times, but there are universal issues that every person faces. And when Jesus showed up on the scene, he was surrounded by people whose felt needs were so severe, they were taxed by an unjust government and they did not have recourse in order to uh, remedy that. They were led by hypocritical religious leaders who had been co-opted by the um, government in many cases. Their children who they were trying to raise up in the faith and um, were being infected and infused by Roman and Greek values. They were worried about all the things that were in, impacting their kids. They were poor. They felt abandoned by God in many cases because they were the Messiah was supposed to be coming and they didn't see that person showing up on the scene. And Jesus came to put the uncertainty of that day in their perspective for them and for us. And again, the people in Jesus' day had the same problems as we have. In fact, they were arguably worse. And so Jesus starts his sermon on worry talking about the number one worry for us and for them, money. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either they will hate the one and love the other, or they will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And Jesus uses this word mammon for money, and we translate it money, it means stuff, possessions, wealth. It's bigger than money, but money is a good translation. And Jesus says you can't serve God and your stuff. You can't have them both as first in your life. You have to be devoted to one, and the other one has to be subordinate. And Jesus is teaching an important concept here that what you and I are most devoted to is where our emotion goes. Emotion follows devotion. And the one you're devoted to is the one you love. And you have to decide which one's going to be first because they will war against each other. And the point for us is this. What you and I worry about reflects our core devotions. What are we worried about? Now, the Jews listening to Jesus are thinking, okay, Jesus, this is like first grade in Hebrew school. God first. It's the first commandment. I got it. What does this have to do with our worries? And then Jesus and the beautiful 
just genius way he teaches, he doesn't leave it there because they're all nodding. Okay, Jesus, tell us something we don't know. And he's going, here's your theology. Keep God first. And he's going, I want to show you how, where, how that plays out in your life. If you really uh, had God first in your life, this is how it's going to look in the way you live. And so Jesus in Matthew 6, 25 said to this very needy group who thinks they get what it means to have God first. He says, therefore, now whenever we see therefore in the Bible, it's always connecting the previous thought to a new thought. So if God's first in your life, then he's saying, I tell you, and that's a command. He says, uh, since you're devoted to God over stuff, do not worry about your life. (laughs) Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your needs. What? Jesus, what are you talking about? I, I don't, you, you said keep God first. Now all of a sudden, don't worry about my life. I, he's saying, yeah, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't be fearful of the future or the unknown. Uh, don't let these things consume your thoughts and emotions. He says, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or about your body or drink or, or about your body, what you will wear. And Jesus is setting up again. There's critical needs. What we eat and drink, we need those to stay alive. And then there's non-critical needs, like things that we wear and they're important, but they're not gonna, they're not life or death. And he said, I know what you get up thinking about every day in our culture. You're thinking about what am I gonna eat? Because it's a very hand-to-mouth society. And what am I gonna wear? Because I need clothes and clothes are expensive. And Jesus says, I want you to, I don't want you to worry about that. And if he were here talking to us, he might say something very different. Because Many of us have refrigerators full of food and we have clothes or closets full of clothes. And he says, hey, I, I don't want you to worry about your life. I don't want you to worry about your retirement. <laughs> what? Jesus, what are you talking about? I got to retire. I don't want you to worry about your kids getting in the, that school. I don't, if you're single, I don't want you to worry about getting married. I, I don't want, if, you're, if you're in an industry where there's instability, I don't want you to worry about layoffs. If you have a kid who's not, um, who's not following God, I don't want you to worry about your prodigal son. I don't want you to worry about your health. Don't email me. This is what Jesus is saying. And so we're saying, he says, don't worry about your life. And we're going, okay, Jesus, are you saying that this stuff's not important, that we have food to eat and clothes to wear? And he's saying, no, I'm not saying it's not important. I'm saying it's very, very, very important. All of these things are important, but here's the point. There's uncertainty related to every single thing that you and I worry about. And in some areas, it's not going to work out the way we think. It's not going to work out perfect and fine. And you still don't have to worry about it. And you're like saying, like, I would, like, huh? Jesus, what are you talking about? But he's not going to leave us hanging there. He says, don't worry about it. Now he gets to the number one question, the key question. He's asking, what is life all about? Is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Now, here's what he's doing. He's trying to pull us out of our tunnel vision because when we worry, we, we're, we put our head in the sand. We're just focused on whatever that thing is. We, we magnify whatever we focus on. So if it's about our money or our food, we're, we're just we're focused here. And Jesus is saying, pick your head up. You got tunnel vision. Open up. Because you're thinking, am I going to be able to retire or get a job or find a spouse or save my marriage? And Jesus is saying, stop. Just for a moment, I want to help you see the big picture. What is life all about? And whatever it is, shouldn't that be the main focus of our concern? And Jesus would say, is life not more important 
Is life not more than retirement? And you're like, what are you saying? That's not important. No, it's important. But does life equal retirement? Well, no, because you and I both know people who are retired. They don't have a life. They're not happy. They're not flourishing. Is life not more than getting a job? Well, I need a job. Yeah, but isn't it? Is life more than that? Yes. Is life not more than every one of my health concerns met? You know, my eyes don't work, but I have a big full life that has, you know, and, and I can get by and life's more than my vision. Uh, is life not more than getting married or simply surviving and looking good? And Jesus is saying, I'm trying to teach you how not to worry. I want you to pull back and I, and I want you to think about what is life all about? And then he gives two illustrations to help us see what he's trying to, the point he's going to get us to here. And so he says this, look at the birds of the air. <laughs> I have a bunch of birds outside. I wish I could show them to you. And then, you know, you know, you think about someone who's eating hand to mouth or if you're in a crisis, you're like, what? Jesus, I don't have time to think of the birds of the air. I need a job. My 12th grader, they're, they're failing school. I got to sell my house. Uh, my husband is, is, is mad at me and I don't know if we're going to make it in our marriage. And Jesus said, stop. Are you done? Take a breath. Take a breath. I'm trying to help you here. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or stow away in barns. They don't have a 401k. They don't have a college education. They just build nests, have babies, and push them out. <laughs> I love that parenting model, by the way. That's kind of what I do with my kids. Uh, they don't sow or reap or stow away in barns. And look at what it says next. And your heavenly father feeds them. Jesus is saying they have critical needs. And they get those critical needs met and they don't worry one bit. They work, but they don't worry. Really important concept there. And he says, your heavenly father feeds them. It's not merely nature or instinct. God created the birds, migration patterns, everything else. And God feeds them. And he says, that now this really, really punchline. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Are you not much more important than they are, more valuable? He's your heavenly father. He loves the birds. They're important to him, but he loves you. And if you're his follower, he's your father. He's not merely your creator. He's your father. And you don't need to worry. Jesus then asked this question again. He, are you not much more valuable than they? His point is here. Does your father, who you trust, love you more than the birds? And Jesus is saying, that's why I'm going to tell you, you cannot know about how your job or is going to turn out or if your kid's graduation is going to work or fill in the blank, whatever your main worry is. We're not talking about denial. We're not saying those things are not important, but you can have uncertainty and not worry because your father loves you and will take care of you. This is Jesus' main point. And if we were people of faith, we understand that. So Jesus is not saying, don't care. Jesus is not saying, don't work. He's not saying, be irresponsible. He's saying, you keep on sowing, reaping, storing. He says, the birds work as much as anyone. God doesn't just drop food in their beaks. They work, but they don't worry. So you fill out that application, or you go to that interview, or you set those goals. But once you and I have done everything we can do, we trust God to fill in the gaps because your father loves you and he'll take care of your needs. He's not calling us to irresponsible living. He's calling us to stress-free living, trust-filled living. And then he brings it home. He says, can any one of you, 
by worrying add a single hour to your life. He's saying, okay, you don't like my plan? Go ahead, get hyper-focused, worry your guts out. What if, what if, what if, worry about whatever that thing is. But let me ask you a question. Can your worrying change that thing? Can your worrying now change that thing in the next now? Can your worrying in this uncertain moment uh, bring certainty to the next moment? And the answer is no. Has worrying ever solved a problem or brought certainty to uncertainty? No. He says, then I have an idea. Look at the birds of the air. And how about you trust the only one who has the power to care for your future? Now, how about the other side? Has worrying ever made things worse? All the time. We know from so much medical data, uh, worrying leads to psychological problems. It leads to ulcers, heart attacks, relational breakdown. Worrying does so many destructive things. So Jesus says, hey, worry. Benefits, zero. Problems, legion. It only makes things worse. So how about we agree on this and we quit? You're like, he says, providing food is no problem for God. He's an expert. Quit worrying. So Jesus says, do not worry. God loves you. It doesn't mean we don't care. And we'll get that slide. And he says, it's a waste of time. It actually doesn't produce anything. He says, here's three reasons not to worry or three points related to worry. And then he says this, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. So he's saying, with no effort at all, God causes these lilies to bloom and they look great. God is a fashion expert. I'm not, I, I don't know how to put anything together, but I see beautiful flowers all around my house. And God, God is, a, his creation is beautiful. He says, they don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Solomon was one of the richest kings in Israel's history. And he was known for his elaborate clothing. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field. Wait, let's read that again. If that is how God clothes. God is the one who clothes the grass of the field. God is the one who clothes you. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And the point is this, if God gave this much attention to beauty and detail on a plant, it's going to die in a few days. What do you have to worry about? Jesus says, God cares about your critical needs and God cares about your non-critical needs. He promises to care for his own, but then he hits on the problem. And this is the punch for us. Oh, you of little faith. Jesus is saying the problem is we don't trust him. He's saying the reason we're so stressed out is that our faith is so small. But the truth is this, right? When uncertainty happens, the pandemic and all these things, we lose focus, don't we? And we think maybe God has, has lost his power or his interest. And Jesus is saying, the root of your worry is unbelief. So he's saying, don't worry, because it shows a lack of faith when we worry. Jesus is saying there's a direct correlation between our faith and our worry. And Jesus is basically saying, you're either going to have little faith and big worry, or big faith and little worry. And so he says, you don't stop worrying, though, by trying to stop worrying. It's just like telling your kid to go to sleep. My kids would be all wired at night. Halloween's coming up and, you know, they're going to have candy. And you'd be like, just go to sleep. That doesn't work, right? How do you stop worrying? You have to replace it with something else. Two things. 
Number one is this, we have to have faith in God's provision. We have to have confidence in God. And if we're going to solve the problem, we have to see the problem. And the problem is we have to talk about faith here. Are we trusting God? Do we see our faith is small? And do we see when our faith is small, our worry is big, as I just said. So what Jesus wants us to stand back and see is he said, God did all this. He created life, which you just shared about in the passage. Your life was a gift from God. He feeds the birds. He clothes the flowers. He loves and created you. He did all this, and he can't take care of your stuff. Oh, you a little faith. So then he repeats his command. Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Because those were the worry points of that culture. He says, it's not because they're not important, but after you've done all this, he says, and then he gives the big twist in verse 32. He says, for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Jesus is drilling now, down now. He uses the word worry six times in nine verses. And if we serve a God who can be trusted and has proven it, then we have no busy worrying about all that. But he chooses a different word here. He says, seek, okay, or run after. And it's to drive home this point. So he equates worrying with seeking. So he says, you're, you're running after food and drink and clothes and stuff. And he says, the pagans, those are the people who don't believe in God or don't know him. They run after these things. He says, they're frantically seeking after these things and all these things. And he says, but you, 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 your heavenly father, he knows that you need them. And he says, when you and I are getting freaked out about all these things and running after him and not trusting our heavenly father, you're acting like a person who doesn't believe there's a God. You're acting like a person who's not trusting their heavenly father. You're living practically as an atheist. You're saying, I believe on one hand, but you're acting like an unbeliever and our actions speak louder than our words. We run after what we're concerned about. So if you want to know what matters most to a person, you ask, what do you worry about? What do I run after? What do I seek after? Jesus reminds us, our Heavenly Father knows that we need these things. How would you live right now if you heard God say, I know, I know, I know your needs, trust me. When my kids were younger at home, they would ask me about things they were concerned about. Daddy, what about? Daddy, what about? Mommy, what about? And we'd just say, don't worry, don't worry, honey. We got it. And they would trust us. That's how believers are to live in uncertainty. My kids didn't know how that was going to happen down there, but they trusted their parents. And that's how God says to you right now, hey, I know, I know, I hear you. I know your needs. Trust me. Be at peace. Jesus says, here's the bottom line. If you and I are following God, God will meet our needs. Now, Jesus answers the question that he posed at the beginning. He's going to answer it now. Um, what is life all about? What are we to concern ourselves with? And this is what Jesus said. This is where your focus needs to be. You're focusing on this other stuff and you're missing the big picture of who God is, what he's doing, and the purpose of your life. He says, but seek first. So he's saying, you're... The pagans run after the seek after this stuff, but you, you're, you're a believer. You, you run after the stuff that I, the father has for you, but seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, which we've been talking about quite a bit. His kingdom is his rule and his reign where his goodness and love are advanced and flourish his kingdom and his righteousness. And here's the promise. All these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6, 33. So Jesus says, how do we quit worrying? We trust God's provision 
and we seek his kingdom. We seek his righteousness. We switch our devotion. You see, Jesus' disciples are to replace pagan seeking with believer seeking. That's the contrast he's making. Pagans, people who don't believe in God, run after this stuff. You run after God and his kingdom, and he's going to meet those needs anyway. It's so beautiful. He's saying, trust him. He's saying, I want you to replace your core devotion of pursuing your stuff that you need or want and pursue God's kingdom first. You see, here's the deal. Nature abhors a vacuum. You cannot just quit worrying. You have to replace it with something else. You have to replace it with trusting God, trusting his love, trusting his provision, and putting his agenda first because he has a purpose for your life. So Jesus tells them to make the switch. And he says, make a conscious effort, put God's agenda first. And you say, what is that? Pursue God's interests. What does God care about? Advancing his kingdom. So what's God up to? What does God want for every person? Well, he, want, he said, Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. I want people who are outside of the family of God to be brought into the family of God. I want people who are outside God's kingdom to be brought in. I want, them to, I want people to know me and love me and have a relationship with me. So our priority should be, how can we help people come to know God? And then he said, I want people to grow up. I want them taught to obey the things that I've given you because this is the path to flourishing. So how can you and I help people grow? Maybe it's teaching second graders or investing in youth ministry or, or leading a small group. But how can you help others grow around you? And then he said, I have a purpose for each person. And you as my followers should know this. You're my masterpiece and you're created for good works that I prepared for you. So how can you help people go and how can you uh, and volunteer and make a difference in this world? Maybe you need to volunteer in kids ministry or uh, do justice and, and advance God's purposes on this earth. God wants to make this world a better place. Jesus said, I have you where you are for a reason, for a purpose. Don't miss the purpose I have you there because you're busy looking down, worrying about your stuff. Look to me, look to my purposes, and I'll take care of those needs. He said, seek first my kingdom. And then he said, live my way. He said, pursue his kingdom and his righteousness. The righteousness of God is where we're right with God internally and that flows out of our behavior, that we do right by the people around us. So what does it look like for you and I to be a light to the people around us? What does right behavior look like in your marriage or in your home with your kids or in your neighbors? This world, what would our world look like if every Christian were living a righteous life where we are loving on and doing good in Jesus' name and doing right and uh, by, by all the people around us, speaking well, lovingly, caringly, the world would be different. And God says, I put you there to make the world different. Let's be about this. And then he promises this. He says, and all these other things that you're worried about, I'm going to take care of them. We know he can look at nature. That's what Jesus just said. We know he will because he has in the past. My whole life is a testimony to the provision of God. I have clothes on. How many of you have clothes on? Raise your hand right now. Okay, thanks, Kevin. I appreciate that. And uh, guess what? The reason we're sitting here and, and, and hearing God's word is because we've had food provided for our whole life. We've had the things we need. We have God's provided for us right up to this moment. He's been faithful. Why would we think he's not going to be faithful in the next moment? And Jesus says, you look after my concerns and I'll look after yours. Don't go through life stressed out about this stuff. In fact, where do you think this stuff came from in the first place? 
the talent you have, the opportunities you have, the breaks you got, the education you got, the job you got, the chance encounters, that was all you? No. The Lord led you down this path and gave you what you have. Jesus says, focus on my purposes and I'll meet your needs. If I were to actually say it real briefly, I'd say the whole point of this passage is don't freak, seek. Don't freak out and run after all this stuff that people who don't know God do. He says, seek first my kingdom. God will look after your needs. And our job is to look after his kingdom. But here's the thing that God, I think, is asking. Is there anybody down there concerned about my kingdom and my righteousness? Who's concerned about helping lost people find their way into my kingdom? Is there anybody there worried about disconnected people or the next generation of teenagers or children who've never heard? Is anybody going to talk to your boss, your neighbor, your friend? And often, if we're honest, we'll go, no, I'm worried about my job or the economy or my retirement or my vacation or private schools. And again, those things are not unimportant. But God says, make your first priority my priority. Can I let you in on a secret here? I, the people I know who've most experienced God's presence and provision in their lives are those whose agendas are closest to his. They're the people who've made the switch. To, they live with a deep sense of God's presence where they made the switch from pursuing their own things and their own desires to pursuing God's kingdom and letting God provide for their needs. He says, all these things shall be added to you. So what do we do? A couple things as we close. Next steps are this. First, memorize Matthew 6.33. Get God's word in your heart, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then pray each day, Lord, I'm going to give you my need in prayer. Here's the things I need and, and the things I'm concerned about. I'm going to offer them to you in prayer, and I'm going to seek your interests first. I don't want to let worry keep me from fulfilling the true purpose you have for my life. So we pursue God's kingdom first and then reach out to that person around you. Who's someone God's put in your life that he's like, I put you with that person so you could love them, share with them and invite them in. Reach out to that person. Who's someone God has put around you who needs compassion and love and they need you to, God needs you to be present. Who's someone you can share God's goodness with or serve this week? Jesus says, don't freak, instead seek, and I'll take care of the rest. I'll be right there with you. Let's pray. And if you're here today and you've never received Christ, I just want to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your life. Would you pray with me? And then we'll pray about how releasing our worry to God, okay? Lord Jesus, thank you for your love for me, that you created me because you love me that you brought me to this moment so that I could make a decision, a choice, because you won't force yourself on me. But Jesus, you invite me. And so I'm accepting your invitation, Jesus, that you came, you died for my sin. Your Lord, you forgive me my sin as, well, as I confess to you and I turn to you. And I'm asking you to cleanse me of my sin, change my heart, renew my life, and help me to be a person who's not filled with worry, but filled with the clarity of pursuing your agenda and putting you first. Jesus, I want to put you first in my life. I want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. I trust you to provide for me. And Lord, I want to um, put your agenda first. And so please help me to do that each and every day as I walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed with me, would you uh, let us know?
and message us because we want to help you take your next steps with Jesus. God bless.